I'm Julian Brandt and you're listening to Scouted Chance. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Scouted Says. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Connor Garrett and Phil Costa. How's it going guys? Hello, uh, it's great to be back yet again. Yeah, not too bad, thanks mate. Hope you're well. Yeah, we were just talking about before the, the show, kind of funny, Christian Pulisic's middle name is Mate. We're going to talk about him, we're going to talk about some other young Americans, we're going to talk about what games are coming up this weekend that you're going to want to watch. We got some Twitter questions from you that we will answer, but first we're going to start with the Champions League. That action yesterday and today, really we're starting to see what teams are going to go through to the knockout round, it's getting down to that time. So one one moment I saw yesterday, um, a guy that we've talked about that Steven, who was on last week, wrote about in his Monaco piece, uh, Thomas Lamar. He scored for Monaco, and that means that Spurs will not be going to the last 16. Yeah, and it was a really good finish as well, and sort of in interesting circumstances. I think it was like 38 seconds after uh, Spurs had equalised, so that was probably the most Spursy thing ever, and it's really not that easy to score from that sort of distance. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good strike, and Hugo Lloris was everything for Spurs in that game too. Phil, I know as, a, as an Arsenal fan, it's going to make you happy that Spurs can't get to the last 16. Oh yeah, I mean, well, the funny thing is actually, I was I was just about to leave for football, because um, I play on a Tuesday night, and it was it was 1-0, and then I got in the car literally two minutes after the restart, and then it said 2-1 Monaco, I was like, what the hell happened in the, in the two minutes that I left? But definitely amusing, and... Um, it's interesting because I know that Arsenal were quite close to signing Thomas Lamar actually um, before he that summer he signed for Monaco. So uh, it's nice to see him uh, playing well with regular football under Leonardo Jardim. Even though Arsenal didn't sign him, he can still punish Spurs. And that was, it was a crazy game. I watched that the whole one yesterday. Falcao had an early penalty, and then Monaco took the lead. And like you said, you didn't you didn't know what happened. Kane scored a penalty. It was a, a pretty good strike. Subasic got to it but wasn't able to save and then just moments later Lamar made it 2-1 really the, the craziest game yesterday of course was Dortmund 8 Lega Warsaw 4 I know Connor wanted to talk about Usman Dembele it was a fantastic day for him maybe probably his best day in a Dortmund shirt so far yeah and I mean I think I saw um, a statistic like just at some point on Twitter in the past day that said he's uh, scored he's got something like five assists and a goal which is like the best of any player that's not like Messi or Neymar in the uh Champions League this season. I think that was it, something something around that. And I mean, all of them have been against Lecky of Warsaw because they hit him for six in the uh, away game and then have scored eight today. And then Bellis scored, he's played sort of a, a key role in both of those. And uh, yeah, you mentioned that he uh, had a perfect 10 score on who scored. So that's uh, obviously not what you're going to look for if some, a player's like statistically been brilliant in a game. But he obviously played such a vital role in the Dortmund attack that he sort of earned that perfect 10, I think. Yeah, no, it was it was um, quite the game for him and three assists and a goal to go with it. But something I saw on Twitter yesterday was interesting was that both halves, Dembele was on the sideline next to Thomas Tuchel. So maybe he's getting additional instruction from him. That's why he keeps him on the wing that, that the coaches are on. You think, think there's anything to look into with that? Everyone knows Tuchel was a very sort of hands-on coach. I mean, everyone saw that gif or jif of him up every two seconds on the touchline uh, during their match against Bayern, whereas Ancelotti was just sort of chilling, you know, with his eyebrow raised as usual. So maybe that could have helped him out. I think Dembele is a, a fantastic talent. And although he can be frustrating at times, I think he's in exactly the right place at Dortmund to really take his game to the next level. Definitely. It's a perfect place to go, the next stepping stone. You can't say that Dortmund are a small club, but 
with their transfer history, players will leave there for much bigger clubs, I guess, or not much bigger clubs, but bigger clubs at the end of the day. So, and I'm not, I'm not really sure if if there's anything to look into with that either with him getting additional instruction because on the other wing is Christian Pulisic and he is 18 so it's not like he doesn't need instruction as well I don't know it might just be a case of rotation like that's quite a a regular thing for wingers to do um I think even yesterday I saw like um Benjamin Henricks was sort of swapping flanks as like a fullback so like for Leverkusen that was so it's uh yeah I think it's just sort of a normal thing that wingers do and yeah sort of changed the approach because obviously if you're five two up at half time you can sort of try something out a little bit different Henricks is it's weird he started off as a left back but this season he's really broken through as a right back obviously you know you know you can get it done on the other side another player we talked about last week Moise Keane he finally made his first appearance for Juventus the 16 year old and made an appearance in the Champions League yesterday in Juventus' 3-1 win over Sevilla and Alexander Lacazette for Olympique Lyon we profiled him last year he scored yesterday in the Champions League so guys good to good to see these guys that we wrote about in the past I think performing at the top level absolutely I mean anyone that's followed me for a little while on Twitter they know that I'm a big fan of of Lacazette I mean he probably isn't worth the the prices being quoted by Jean-Michel or Lacazette during the summer I mean no one's going to pay 70 70 million for him but you know over the you last never know. look at look at Pogba look what they paid for him yeah that's true I, I mean I don't know it's difficult but he's definitely a fantastic player and Leon really really struggle without him um, especially with Nabil Fekir struggling to get going after his ACL problem so it's nice to have him back and that group is quite a tasty one actually so looking forward to the next match day first week of December so yeah a couple of weeks and Kai Havertz someone we talked about last week on Bayer Leverkusen he's 17 he's uh, Bayer 04's youngest player to play in the Bundesliga we got asked about him on Twitter today again so saying he he deserves a mention and we mentioned him last week but we'll talk about him again and I'm actually trying to get um, some quotes from the club to write a piece about him for either for the handbook or just something for the site have you guys seen him at all well I saw him briefly yesterday against CSKA um, and he sort of looked sort of like quite a good player but yeah it's, it's hard to sort of make to draw complete conclusions from a 17 year old that's played a handful of games in his career so far and like not played like a, a vital role in any of them so be interesting to see how he develops over the next few years I think I said that last time we spoke about him um but yeah don't want to like give him too much pressure too early yeah he has only come on as a substitute so far but I mean it's in that 1-1 game it was a game that Leverkusen couldn't afford to lose well I mean at the end of the day I think they're they couldn't afford to lose it, but I think they'll be disappointed not to not to pick up the win. I mean, they were completely dominant in the first half. All of a sudden, they just, I don't know what it, whether it was the cold or whether CSK just massively improved in the second half. But yeah, maybe not the result they would have wanted. But again, encouraging from uh, Havertz, who I think could thrive in Leverkusen's 4-2 system, like a Brandt or maybe a Kevin Campbell. So yeah, like Dembele's good at Dortmund, I think Leverkusen is equally as a sort of, it's a nice place for young players to, to progress. Yeah, he actually came on for Julian Brandt, or of course our intro star of Scott, it says. And it was Hendricks who gave away the, the penalty that allowed CSK to equalize. But fortunately for them, Monaco were able to come through and get that win over Spurs to send Leverkusen into the last 16 with Monaco. So maybe Spurs to the Europa League, I guess. <laughs> and someone else that may be going to the Europa League, maybe not Sevilla. You know, they 
<laughs> we always see them there. They love it, don't they? <laughs> like, I have a feeling that they're now just throwing the group stage of the Champions League so that they can like continue this ridiculous series of titles in the uh, in the Europa League. Like, <laughs> Did you see no that, that inner Kermit? That was like you you can get into the into the last sixteen of the Champions League. It's like no, lose and win the <laughs> Europa League. <laughs> In, in interesting result, I guess, then today, in that group, Gladbach won, Man City won. You know, we we got to see, unfortunately, I'm sorry, we didn't get to see Leroy Sané at Man City today. We did see Mo Daoud, who we, I feel like we always talk about him, but oh, he started player. again. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't play too well at the weekend, uh, thought he was sort of okay tonight um but then it was it's sort of one of those games where Gladbach had to win to like have a chance of going through on the final match day I mean they were playing they're going to be playing away at the new Camp uh in two weeks so it was unlikely anyway but yeah they really had to go for it uh tonight to like actually progress and uh, in my opinion they didn't really do it I think Man City were the best team for most of the match and that wasn't a huge surprise but it was sort of disappointing to see Andre Schubert not really sort of making the best of it as as he could have done and just sort of settling for the Europa League with a game to spare. So some of the players played quite well and one all isn't a bad result against Man City. But yeah, with them having 10 men, and I mean, both sides are 10 men, but when it was 10v10, there was not really much of a sign that Gladbach were really going to attack the game. So uh, it's a shame, but then obviously they're in the Europa League now. So it's going to be interesting to see the damage that some of the young players can do in the competition over the year. Uh, after the winter break. And what, they failed to win in five straight in the league? Yeah, they've really, I think they are without a win um, in the league since giving Schubert a new contract. So that was a really great move. Yeah, I don't think that was the uh, the wisest move. Uh, to be honest, I thought Andre Schubert came, when he came in after Lucien Favre, he did, he did really well. He got the team together. They went on a good run, but I think he's quite out of his depth, to be honest. And I thought they, you know, I th- I saw something that they didn't score an away goal in the league for like two months, which is, I know Gladbach have troubles away from home anyway, but that is just shocking, you know, for a team that's aspiring to play in Europe every week. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with them, I guess. Yeah, they're great at home, but equally poor away, you know, to, to the opposite degree. Well, I mean, the home form is dropping off at the moment. I think the the last couple of games they've drawn against like Hamburg, obviously lost against Cologne at the weekend. So it's a... Uh actually sort of worrying times because as well as the away form being appalling the home form is not something they can necessarily rely on now and uh yeah sort of watch this space i think yeah they conceded in stoppage time to lose that local derby to cologne but great goal um, as well you have to mention that but yeah yeah it was a great goal. is a bit old for this podcast so we'll uh brush it <laughs> yeah a couple a couple more players to round out champions league renato sanchez actually started for Bayern, but they they really struggled against Rostov, and I think Ancelotti's four three three is kind of getting exposed. But it's really a, a topic for someone else's podcast. But um, I guess it's good to see him start. And there's a guy in Rostov that Phil wanted to talk about, actually. Yeah, um, I mean it's Sardar Azmoun. I mean, not many people would would know who he is off the top of their head, but he's been absolutely brilliant for for Rostov, who have been equally as brilliant. I mean today. In those final stages, they were absolutely off their feet, uh, knackered, every single one of them. And they managed to sort of fend off that late sort of storm from Bayern, even though they weren't maybe at their sharpest. But yeah, Azmoun, he's been uh, touted as the Iranian Messi. Maybe not as good, obviously, but his style, he's so dangerous on the break. He's surprisingly impressive in the air. And I know uh, that Klopp is quite keen on him and has been scouting him uh, over the last few months. So whether they will 
sort of make a move in January or the or the summer. I'm not sure, but he's definitely definitely making a name for himself. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on. With Iran's senior national team, he scored 16 goals in 22 appearances since debuting in 2014 and what that i guess his debut came when he was 19 because he's just 21 now yeah i mean you know that's quite a achie- quite an achievement because it takes players a little while to settle on the international stage but you know whatever he's doing is working and you know maybe it's, it's it's good for him that he's playing regularly in europe during these formative stages and not just sitting on a bench somewhere um but if he carries on like this i'm sure you know Klopp and many others will be will be keeping an eye on him yeah, last year in the in the Russian Premier League, nine goals and three assists in twenty four appearances, and at that age, it's, that's fantastic. Because with Rostov, I mean, they had a great season last year, but being in the Champions League, you know, sometimes that's going to wear on on teams, and they're still in sixth this year in Russia. So trying to keep it up, and he's a big reason why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. It's difficult, as you can see with Leicester, to sort of maintain that intensity or when you play on Wednesday and then Saturday or, you know, they come thick and fast, these games. And um, the good thing about Asmoon is he's he can play on the left, he can play, you know, as the central striker, he can play on the right. So it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool make a move for him because he seems like someone, you know, perfect for that interchangeable system, especially with their pacey uh, front line. So, yeah, he's, he's another exciting prospect from a slightly unusual part of the world. So it's always good to see someone like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely is. We're going to go back and talk a little bit about some young Americans. America. After the coaching change made this week, taking Jurgen Klinsmann out of the job, bringing in Bruce Arena, what that means for some of these guys. So Christian Pulisic, he did not score in Dortmund's big 8-4 win that we talked about, but he did start. So, I mean, good to see Tuchel, I think, trusting him in that in that lineup. He's become a regular player on that left wing. Yeah, and I mean, it's been it's really impressive to see such a uh, such a young player becoming such an important player for, for Dortmund. Uh, I think, obviously, he's not sort of a key to the side yet, but he's one of those players that you can put in the team and counting him to do a good job um, and yeah um, he played uh, in the game against Bayern at the weekend and obviously started against Legia and yeah by all accounts put in a good performance even if it didn't sort of mark on the scoreline itself um, and yeah it's really exciting to see like what this like 18 year old kid can do like the fact that he can do that all now and obviously should be able to get a lot better is already playing at this elite level of football um, yeah so it's going to be very exciting to see what he can do and I think he's a uh, Definitely one of the young players that probably shouldn't be so worried about a coach like Bruce Arena coming in. No, no, definitely not. As I mean, he has 11, 11 appearances for the senior national team, three goals since making his debut in March of this year. But the the interesting thing is for you know for him, he's playing playing abroad, and Klinsman was a big fan of that compared to some of the other guys staying in MLS and playing there. But with Klinsman, one of the things that culminated in his his sacking this week was that the three the three four one two that he went with against Mexico they'd never trained that formation and he basically said he built it around Pulisic playing as a center attacking mid and that's a position he doesn't play for Dortmund I mean that that sort of swift formation change was a it looked to me anyway like it was the last throw of the dice for Klinsmann I mean there was already a few a few rumblings about the security of his job um, there was talk of Bielsa at one point which would have been you know brilliant but like you said uh, Pulisic is normally sort of a drifting playmaker that comes from the wide areas 
um, and you know to build your side around an 18 year old is is mental I mean he is extremely talented but there was no way that you know he can take all of that creative responsibility on his shoulders and yeah it's no surprise to me anyway that that Kinsman uh, got the sack yeah, it had been it had been on the lips of the journalists, I guess, for a while. You could say, or the f- fans had been calling for him out ever since he came in. I mean, it was a great World Cup, and then we just saw some some regression, like finishing fourth in the Gold Cup. How do you finish fourth in a North American tournament? I think that's really really unacceptable. Obviously, the strength of depth in Concacaf has uh, really improved in the short term. So Klinsman did the best he could do in that, um, and uh, just was really unlucky. That was sarcasm. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I you think. Know, I mean, Costa Rica is a decent side. Yeah, but I think even from Klinsman's side, like I think he was sort of looking at going anyway. Like the fact that he sort of. I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure about if he linked himself with the England job. If he was linked because he's one of the guys that will generally get linked to like these sort of interesting jobs. It sort of it seems like he was trying to find something to move on to and sort of yeah save face rather than getting sacked by the the US national team and obviously that's not happened but uh, I think it like maybe in terms of tactics on the pitch be an improvement but I think ultimately his tenure has probably been quite good for America and obviously the fact that he's uh, promoted Pulisic so quickly uh, I mean I think a lot of managers would have done it but a lot of managers equally would probably have uh, been a bit wary and he's been happy to make this young player sort of a fulcrum of the team and I think in many ways that is a good thing because he should go on and have like quite a long uh, exciting international career and the fact he's getting this experience in early is probably not a bad thing whatsoever um, but yeah at the same time you can't make him the key player in a position he doesn't play yeah and I mean he played he played there as at the youth levels I guess but he did I mean he's not playing there week in week out and I guess the thing about Klinsman that I'd be sorry to see him go for is the recruitment. You know, there's a lot of dual nationals that have greatly improved the U.S. team. And, and, you know, seeing him as a technical director, he knows a lot of people across the world and those networks are important. But if you're going to be incompetent on the pitch, (laughs) you have to go. I agree with that. I think that's a very good point. I mean, you have in the squad now, there's, you know, John Anthony Brooks, Fabian Johnson, uh, Jermaine Jones, all have those links to Germany, which are, I think Klinsman definitely was, you know, there's an influence there and it sets a benchmark for the future as well, like you said. Um, so I think, like you said, he had a fantastic World Cup. He, he put sort of soccer on the map for the US and even though it fizzled out a bit, I think there there is promise for the future uh, and definitely excitement. So um, Yeah, and the, and the thing is, if you miss the 2018 World Cup, that just didn't turns the clock back 10 years really, so... If you're going to make the change, you got to do it now. Yeah, I think the timing was right. I mean, Bruce Arena may not be the young progressionist coach that the country desired, but he knows how to set up a side. He knows what, what these situations are like. And I think maybe once you get qualified, then it might be start might be sensible to start looking for, for options elsewhere. Another, another young guy, Jordan Morris, he scored Seattle's opener last night in their 2-1 win over Colorado in MLS Cup playoffs. Good to see him on the score sheet again because he had he had some injury problems and then the, the international break really came at a good time. He was able to recover. His teammate Christian Roldan, who I saw, I don't know if you guys were following the scouted account last night. They were tweeting. I don't I don't even know who it was on there, but uh, Roldan, another young American. He's 21. It was his shot that was initially saved by the keeper, and Morris put that home for the opener. And then someone, I guess, getting back to the Klinsman talk, Julian Green. 
he's a player that was kind of like a Klinsman favorite. And I don't know about his career under Bruce Arena. It could really be come to a halt unless he can make some progress at club level. Yeah, I don't think Arena would even be making a mistake by dropping him. I mean, obviously, he's this player that came for a few years ago and went to the, the World Cup basically because... He's this bright young talent that has decided to pledge his future to the country. And I think Klinsman obviously played a huge role in that. So, um, I mean, that's a positive of having someone like him rather than someone like Arena. But then I think maybe sort of stuck around. He's, uh, Klinsman has sort of had to have him around uh, based on sort of the importance that he had put on Green at such an early point in his career. And yeah, he's not really come on in loan spells to Hamburg or, and he's not really featuring that much for Bayern. Um, so I mean, short of going out somewhere in January, I don't think he uh, has much in the in the uh, sort of sense of short term prospects. And yeah, I mean, wouldn't necessarily be the worst idea to drop someone that's not playing even at club level. Yeah, he scored in the Pokal this season. He has two appearances in the Sherman Cup, but just 113 minutes. That's all he's played for the Bayern first team. So definitely not in that picture. Yeah, I think I think for other young players like him that maybe would be recruited dual nationals you know it's i don't know if green ever would have ended up playing for germany anyway It'll i think the talk at the time was like he might do because obviously at 19 he was looking like he was on the brink of like a really really brilliant Bayern side but it's just not happened in the in the meantime so yeah i think at the time it was like a really good sign and germany obviously sort of wanted to have him but obviously for a country like like the united states he's a, a bigger a, a bigger coup for them than he would have been for Germany. So I think that's sort of essentially yeah. what's happened. And then he scored in, in extra time against Belgium, but I mean, the US still didn't go through, but that was when it exploded. You know, f- people, all everyone I knew on Facebook was like, oh, Julian Green, like best player ever. And like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> here we go again. So yeah, I guess, Connor, you want to answer the, the Twitter questions we got? We can move on to that. Uh, yeah, well, I think we have two um, and one... Uh, from at Madden One Three O, one is can Modahood become a world beater, and we've discussed this in definitely like one of the episodes so far. I think it might have been episode two. So uh, for like a, a longer evaluation of that, I would say go and listen to that. But in short, like yeah, basically, I think he can. Um, obviously, I think it depends sort of what happens next. I think realistically, if yeah, he's not really had the impact that he should have done maybe this season, and yeah, maybe a move to someone you might do him good or maybe like a new manager coming in at Gladbach could uh, sort of salvage it uh, a little bit yeah, this season. Yeah, a coach that really believes in him, I think. Yeah, and then the other one from at Madden one Frio is is Nicholas Zula, uh, one of the best young centre-backs. Well, um, I think he's a he's a fantastic player. Actually, I mean he's he's absolutely towering. I mean he's what six foot five, six foot six. And he's a big guy as well. Um, and surprisingly quick across the ground. I mean, he's not rapid, but he's he's got a fair bit of pace about him. And, you know, he's just another story in this exceptional Hoffenheim season. You know, Julian Nagelsmann has come in, completely, you know, changed the, the mentality of the team. I mean, they're getting the ball on the ground. They they play some brilliant stuff. And I think Sula and Vogt at the back have just been rock solid. And he's he's really come on leaps and bounds. I mean, he's... 20 so there's another you know the germany may have hummels and boating and at the moment but they, they're very safe in in sula and tar especially who, who have played really well this season yeah and sula he actually came up through the hoffenheim youth system yeah so. he's been like a really important player for them for the past few years as well so it's like not even just this season but like i don't know over the past two years or so he's sort of been 
almost sort of undisputed at the back. And yeah, it's really brilliant to see that they've uh, had this young player come through and really like have backed him, even though there have been sort of problems with like fighting as relegation and all that sort of stuff. I think also one interesting thing about him is that he's sort of really comfortable on the ball and he quite often will step out and be sort of like a, he'll add, he'll be an extra midfielder at certain times. And yeah, I think that's... Yeah, yeah. Of... If, you look at, if you look at his positioning map, like, I don't know if you follow like Elf Tegan Elf, they have... What, however you say it in Dutch, but um, I, I don't know. A couple of games ago, I saw that he he looked like he was a midfielder, and it's it's really interesting to see that because I mean, obviously they're generally like broadly playing like a back three at the moment, and then he's sort of adding sort of this dimension to the midfield and becoming like this free man. So yeah, it's definitely a sort of it's a role that maybe people weren't necessarily expecting him to play because obviously as such a big guy, he's also very physical. But um, yeah, he's sort of showing that he's quite a cultured defender and. At 20, like he's definitely got sort of quite a few years of development left in him. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he can do the rest of the season. And yeah, moving on, I think definitely you're looking at a player that will become a very important player for Germany in the national team. Yeah, certainly. You can see him, maybe him and uh, Jonathan Ta becoming the next centre-back pairing after Hummels and Boateng. Yeah, um, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. And uh, Benjamin Henricks as well. So there is hope. There is hope in the back four still. <laughs> And then, then Felix Paslak as the other fullback. He scored yesterday for Dortmund as well. Yeah, a smart header, actually. Um, and he looked like he enjoyed it. He ran straight to Marco Royce, I think it was. So that was a nice moment for him. Yeah, and Hoffenheim there in action this weekend, actually, against Gladbeck. It's not our game to watch. We have those coming up in a bit. Um, but we are going to talk a little more a little more about the Bundesliga. So that, that Bayern Dortmund game was last weekend. We have to mention that, of course. Really, I think that it's really important for outsiders who don't follow the league so much, who haven't seen that it's a really close table this year when actually sides three through seven are all on 21 points. But from the neutral perspective, it keeps the league really open. Yeah, and I think it's it's the first time that Thomas Tuchel has beaten Bayern as Dortmund manager. I think he did, he did it a couple of times at Mainz, but um, it's the first time he's done it since moving to Dortmund, so that's obviously a big step, I and mean, maybe even like a, a lifting of a mental barrier. Because in the first season, and also in like the Super Cup, and that um, it was they did sort of look a little bit overawed at certain times when going to play uh, Bayern. I mean, obviously a lot of that was down to the fact Pep was there, and I think Ancelotti has sort of, if not been the cause, has definitely been party to a lot sort of a weakening of the Bayern side uh, over the last sort of few months. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really really good game, and uh, it was a, it was a good advert for the league. Even if it's sort of the, it is the game that everyone watches, regardless of if they they watch the Bundesliga week in week out or not. It's the it's the big one in the league uh, at the moment, anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you watch that, you would definitely be sort of wanting to watch. Dortmund yeah, their, their defense basis, was really well organized, and it was a pretty good goal that actually won it because it was just one nil. It was a good assist when what it went through the legs of Hummels, yeah, through the legs of Hummels, and Obama Young just just got a piece of it and directed it past Neuer. You know, and it's, that's one of those goals that even Neuer can't stop. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, it could have been more. I mean, I thought Bayern they didn't play too badly, but they lacked incision in the final third. But Dortmund really could have had three and four uh, if. Uh, over Aubameyang maybe had his shooting boots on but still he scored the winning goal and obviously as it went through Hummels' legs that was, that made it all the sweeter for Dortmund fans so yeah the league's wide open now and it's 
it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. Yeah, definitely. I saw a statistic today saying that Bayern have already dropped more points under Ancelotti than they did in Pep's first year, and same as for losses, three losses I think already in all competitions, and they didn't do that until the end of Pep's first year. I think Ancelotti's a his pedigree, his record speaks for itself. But the way Guardiola had them playing, uh, you know, with those three-one-three-one formations or whatever it was, he's a lot more traditional with his four-three-three. And I think he still needs to tinker with the side a bit to really find his strongest eleven. I think he'll get there, but maybe from now until the winter break, he's got he's got some thinking to do. But as long as they're still up there, you know, they always have a chance. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing really to to worry about. I think if you're a Bayern fan, but it's I think it's good for all of us who just want to see a a good competition in the league because um, right now RB Leipzig are are top of the table. It's you know it's fantastic and it's weird when Kaiserslautern came up in the '90s. They they won the league that year. So I don't. I mean, you can't you can't go ahead and say it's going to be a repeat of that. Way too early to say. But it's funny that there is a history of something that has happened like that because it's just crazy yeah i mean i think it's surprising that leipzig are are top at the moment and still unbeaten uh but i think over the course of the season it might sort of even out to being sort of a top four contender rather than necessarily winning the league which is obviously not a bad thing to do when you're newly promoted um but i yeah i don't see it as hugely surprising what they've achieved so far because obviously their squad is just brilliant they've got a very good coach the club's very well run um, so the fact that it's been made out as this like German Leicester is just really funny. People like to draw comparisons like that. Schalke, you, as some, as someone else penciled this into the script when, when I was away. You guys want to talk about that because uh, Benteleb, Benteleb's been scoring left and right for them. And that's a really surprising thing because like, obviously when he was at Spurs, he was like sort of, uh, kind of, he's kind of derided sort of as this sort of guy that would, he was sort of like a crab like pass to the side or backwards or something and sort of he was like the, the favourite player of Tim Sherwood yeah I mean overall if you look at um, I, can only, I can only judge the season on basically when I've taken over you know 59% uh, win ratio in, in the games is, is second to none you know no one's ever done that previously and um, I'm happy with the performance what I've made and, and the boy's done brilliant today uh, so uh, sort of the rider for that as well but he's, he's then gone to Schalke and sort of is playing in this more attacking role and is actually just scoring so many and just becoming such an important player I think he's basically doing what Schalke thought they were doing a few years ago when they signed Kevin Prince-Berteng like he's essentially like playing what they thought he could have done it's it's obviously really really impressive to see and he's still just 21 so yeah it's going to be it's it's really exciting um, to see a young player like that playing really well and I think realistically we're seeing him playing in Gelsenkirchen for like the next few years Uh, I think it's unlikely that Christian Heidel won't take up the option to buy in the loan that they currently have. But of the midfield, I think the the guy that's been really, really impressive in like the last few weeks is yeah, uh, Leon Goretzka. Um, I mean, obviously he's a really yeah, and uh, he's been he's obviously quite a big name. He was like seen as quite a coup for them to bring in from uh, Balkan a few years ago. Um, but yes, yeah, sort of since then he's sort of struggled with injuries, and now he's coming into the team and he's sort of. When he's in, when he's fit, like fit and ready to come into the team, he's just one of the best players that Schalke have, and also 21. It's going to be. I'll be surprised not to see him as a, an important player for Germany in the next couple of years because if you, you look at like the likes of like Schweinsteiger retiring from international duty, uh, players like Goretzka really have a chance now to sort of break into the squad, and all he has to do is definitely. Schalke, they lost their first five play. matches, but in their most recent six, they've won four and drawn two, so they're getting right back into. The thick of things in the league, they were all the way down in 
at the bottom of the table after match day five, but back into 11th, you know, it's a lot harder to recover with after a start like that. But Yeah, I mean, you saw with Gladbach last season that you can lose your first five and still get in the Champions League. I think Marcus Weinzel is a, is a brilliant manager. He did really well at Augsburg, and I think he's got a good young squad uh, to build on here. Uh, I mean, just going back to Goretzka, that comparison to Schweinsteiger was was a really good one, I think, because he's he's got that sort of industry in the middle of the park, but he can also make those late runs into the box and grab a goal. I know I've been banging, banging on about Arsenal a bit already, but we were interested in him as well. Um, before he moved to Schalke, there was that summer where he was still at Bochum and he actually opted for Schalke uh, to stay in Germany to complete his studies. So there's obviously a wise head on those young shoulders. Um, and I think he's really relishing that, that central midfield role uh, at the moment. So him and Ben Taleb are, you know, proven to be their stars this season. And it's good to see. Yeah, and it's really that, that young core, which I think Connor's about to talk yeah, about, I actually. Think, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, at uh, uh, Augsburg, like, Weinzel is sort of known as, the, like, the old boys club because, like, his key players are all, like, above 30. And now I was, sort of have made a list of, like, these players that are all under 23 that when they're fit and ready to play, uh, like, they're all definitely in the starting 11s. So you've got Max Meyer, Ben Taleb, Goretzka, who we've already talk, uh, spoken about, and then... Um, Abdulrahman Babo, who's on loan from Schalke, obviously knows Weinzel from Augsburg. Uh, and then Alessandro Schöpf sort of has been playing quite a, a decent role this season. Johannes Geis, uh, Kalasanach, Matija Nastasic, all 23. Like, that's like eight players that are just there that are valid to be talked about on this podcast and will play quite a big role for Schalke under Marcus Weinzel, I think. Uh, so it's interesting to see that. There's such a contrast. Yeah, I mean, he his, didn't really uh, have the, always the finances to be able to bring in young talent like that or the youth system for sure. But it is good to see, to see a coach be able to adapt to to what he has. Right before we close out this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about Ajax because they're involved in our Eredivisie game of the week to watch this weekend against Heerenveen, who are in fourth, Ajax in second. That's Sunday at 13.30 or 1.30 p.m. GMT. And me and Phil were talking a little bit about Ajax before the podcast. There's been a bit of a shake-up there. It has been quite a shake-up. Um, I mean... Peter Bosch is, you know, he's a he's a he's a character definitely, and Ajax are, are known for their young talent. But strangely, they've all sort of fallen out uh, with the manager, or he's he sort of made his mark. I mean, Anwar El Ghazi, he's had a big falling out there. There were questions over his his attitude, um, and he's been banished from the from training with the first team. Um, Kenny Tete, the talented right back, has also been dropped, and. Even as far as this weekend, there's been reports of, of him falling out with uh, Rashedli Bazour. So that's their, their 1995 group uh, of 21-year-olds who are supposedly going to lead them into the next golden generation who have all um, hit, hit some trouble with their new boss. So it's, it's interesting to see what happens there. But, I mean, they've still got so much young talent anyway, who I'm sure you, you've realised about Kasper Dolberg, who's just been on fire recently, you know, um, we posted his hat trick on the on the account the other day. He's just come out of nowhere, um, and it's really good to see players like that uh, just sort of bounce onto the scene and make a name for themselves. Yeah, they drop these twenty one year olds and replace them with nineteen year olds. <laughs> it's also <laughs> um, Vaclav Cherny. He's playing on the wing now. Played a little bit in that that last game when when Dolberg had the hat trick. I mean, of course, Hakim Ziyech. He's older. He's so old. He's twenty three, but he's been starring for them this season and um yeah also Bertrand Traore is playing for them he's on loan from Chelsea yeah he's sort of playing this this role coming off the right um 
He can play it. I mean, he played there in spells for Vitesse when he had that really good season. Um, so he can play there. And I think it's good because it allows Dolberg to be that sort of versatile forward. sort of. He, kind of, he likes to drop deep and he gets involved with a lot of the play, which leaves space in behind for, for Traore to go and exploit. So I think after a tough start, they're finally finding their groove. And uh, yeah, they're really exciting to watch. I think Peter Bosch has a really distinctive playing style, high intensity. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there over the next few months anyway. Yeah, and Dolberg, his season totals on uh, 12 appearances, eight goals and two assists for the young Dane. So good to see see them in action. Another one of our games to watch this weekend, Sevilla Valencia. That is going to be the late one on Sunday, 7.45 p.m., GMT. Before that, you can catch Southampton Everton in the Premier League. That's at 4.30 on Sunday. And then Saturday, guys, we have Bayern Munich against Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's in the sort of top spiel slot in the Bundesliga, and it really is the big game at the weekend, I think. And I mean, Bayern don't have this sort of aura of invincibility around that they have, in, have had in recent weeks, as we've sort of been discussing throughout the podcast so far. And Leverkusen were unlucky, I think, not to beat uh, uh, Leipzig at the, at the weekend and also sort of uh, unlucky not to beat CSK on Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see how both of those teams react to sort of two disappointing results on the spin. Uh, I would sort of sort of think that it might end up being quite an interesting draw. So Yeah, you brought up that game, Leverkusen against Red Bull last week. They were up 2-1, had a penalty, it got saved, and then they lost 3-2. And that's been... Kind of how their season's been going, and I don't know. This is one that they really can't lose to Bayern. That's the the one gripe I have with Roger Schmidt. His sides are well drilled. They're absolute pressing machines. They're all technically very comfortable, uh, always on the ball, looking for the ball. Kevin Campbell and Julian Brandt, in particular, have been sensational this season. But they're just so inconsistent. I mean, they'll dominate a game for 70 minutes and then just crumble for the last 20. And maybe that's down to them being a young side. Whether that's due to them getting tired from their high-intensity style, I don't know. But yeah, it will definitely be, I'm sure it'll be an entertaining watch, um, especially with Bayern. Not struggling, but not finding their, their top level at the moment. So And Chicharito hasn't scored in 11 games in a row, so he'll be looking to break that duck. I think that is... All we have for you today, so remember you can follow me at Jack Grimsey at Connor Garrett to follow Connor and for Phil, you're going to uh, follow underscore Phil Costa. Yep, bang on. Um, I'm sure they'll see our handles promoting the, the podcast anyway. So, um, But yeah, it's been it's been good. I think there's, there's always lots to talk about, thankfully, so um, it's really good fun coming on. Yeah, great um, to have you join us, Phil and Connor as well. So everyone, thank you for listening and remember you can you can catch us on itunes now as well as soundcloud so until next time thanks for listening to scott it says cheers bye